So Angela was, wasn't Roy, Roy's daughter, and it was a con set up by his partner Frank this whole time. It's Wednesday, folks. Welcome to Spoiler Alert on Regina Community Radio, 91.3 FM, CJTR. So, uh, to my left is the lady host, Sonia. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing quite well. I got a bit of a cold, but... Me too. Unfortunately, our other partner in crime, Sean, couldn't make it today. So we found some other guy named James to fill in for him. Hey, James, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thank well, you very much well, for having me. Welcome to the show. James, uh, what, what are your film credentials? Uh, I have a Letterboxd account. Oh. I have a Twitter account. I was at the last screening at Paradise up on Rochdale, and I was also at one of the last screenings for the midnight showings at Rainbow. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That is that is quite the list. Those, those far outweigh any of my credentials. <laughs> <laughs> Me having seen incredible Burt Wonderstone at the Paradise? Exactly. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what, if that's what it is, that's what it is. Um, today we're talking about one of the strongest forces in cinema, and that is, of course... Nick Cage. James, you're a Nick Cage expert. That's why we brought you in. It's tough to be a Nick Cage expert just because he has so much to go through. He has probably, I think, 100 film roles by oh, now. Oh, the like list that. isn't. We're going to talk about the length of it. Have you. I, I was looking it over, and I think I've seen like 80%, which is a lot of work. Like, mm -hmm. that is pretty hefty. And there's some of the older ones I'll just never get a chance to see. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the internet has allowed us access to all sorts of things. So uh, we're going to get into it. So, folks, I've got a bunch of questions here, and the very first one, I want a yes or no answer, and then we'll go back around and get into it. James, is Nick Cage a good actor? Yes. Sonia, is Nick Cage a good actor? Tentative, yes. Tentative, yes. Thank you. James, uh, let's unpack your answer. What, what leads you to say that? Well... My mom, just, almost my mom just texted, he is sucky. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> mom of the show. <laughs> Sorry to show. insult your mom so quickly <laughs> off the bat. The question almost isn't, is he a good actor? It's, is he a great actor? Ooh, I think with any actor, you're talking about, have they performed great roles or mm -hmm. given great performances? And he certainly has. And then from there, you can get more granular and say has he done a variety of different kinds of roles nick cage certainly has absolutely has he done you know a significant body of work and i would say there's at least you know a few dozen uh different remarkable performances that he's given over his career and if you want to dive even deeper into it you want to ask does how much control does he have over his performances is he a guy who's just used well or is he a guy who's purposeful and in coming into each role mm -hmm. and giving it something distinctive to that role and i think he's definitely doing that as well oh yeah absolutely well there's b before we you know to get on to later points there's a certain nick cage-ness mm -hmm. that is brought and we'll get more into this later sonia has perked up what what are you what are your thoughts on the tentative just, yes i i was just so wrapped with jim's full and complete analysis <laughs> he sold you he did kind of sell me and like He's had a role in selling me on Nick Cage this whole week since we asked him to be on the show, and we've been talking about it, mm -hmm. and in fact, watched a couple together. You did some homework. We, d uh, we did some homework. Unfortunately, I didn't finish all my homework. I, you've, I think you did. I think you, you, you hit all the notes that we asked you to. Well, but... the ones that I watched, you might laugh about. <laughs> but well... he is. He, he, he's certainly distinctive. He is an icon, and... Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, he he has that Nick Cage-ness about him. Which, at this time, we're not going to say whether or not is a good or bad thing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's too too simple anyway. That's too, it's, it's too simple. So let's go all, all the way back to the beginning of Nick Cage. I'm talking Valley Girl. I'm talking before the Nick Cage-ness was developed. This was, he's a young actor. He might have the last name Coppola in some of these. Have have you guys seen these movies? Far I back? haven't seen Valley Girl, actually. No? I should dip into Valley Girl at some point, but, mm-hmm. you know, there are some of his 80s movies that I've dipped into a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched, Sonya and I, no, we didn't watch Moonstruck. I watched Moonstruck with my partner, and you've seen Moonstruck previously. Friend of the show, Rhiannon Ward. <laughs> now partner of the show. Moonstruck viewer. Yeah. <laughs> But Moonstruck yeah. feels like an early Nicolas Cage performance and that he's still kind of figuring out how to bring himself into these roles a little bit, but it's still an early great performance for mm-hmm. him, it feels like. No, I, I would say so. I I wonder if there's a point where every actor does serious roles or non-serious roles, and starting, you'll get whatever you can, right? And there's a point where early on he's doing serious work i don't i don't know if that's what you want to call it um but i'm interested in to consider so moonstruck raising arizona these kind of movies he's not really bringing the nick cage-ness that i'm that i'm thinking of and maybe i'm a bit extreme maybe i'm not but uh do you think that i don't know the question sort of is is did he develop his style or did the films that he was in develop the style force him into something well, it's interesting with some of the early films, because he was doing a lot of comedies back then. Right, absolutely. A film like Moonstruck or Raising Arizona, or It Could Happen to You. They're comedies or romantic comedies, and he's a little bit softer in his style in them. Mm-hmm. But even in returning back to Moonstruck for about the fifth time so far, <laughs> That's okay. there's something about him where he's still abrasive, and yeah. he's still uh, a bit of a kind of jarring presence in that movie. But he's still very romantic. He's still a v- alluring romantic lead. And he's still very funny in that movie. Mm-hmm. So there is a kind of uh, a not necessarily realistic air to him and a, uh, a kind of larger-than-life uh, performance that he's giving there. Yeah, one of, the, one of the movies that I watched this week for homework was Raising Arizona, mm-hmm. which I That's, don't know how I've never seen it. He won the Oscar for that, yes? That, or no? What was he won the Oscar for uh, leaving Las leaving Vegas. Los? Uh, sorry, yes, of yeah. course. That was a huge mix-up there. <laughs> Whoa! Um, and I actually was texting James while I watched it because I was like, "I am attracted to Nicolas Cage right now. What's happening? Why mm-hmm. is this happening? How is this happening?" And he is like very charming in a way I didn't expect, and kind of sexy which feels mm. so weird to say but i think a lot of moms would agree with me i don't know if i've ever heard that said before i think when you think of nick cage today you don't necessarily think of him as a sex symbol but no. there was certainly a time when he was seen as an attractive man when you can put him next to meg Cher. ryan in city of angels or Cher yeah. in moonstruck yeah. and it would completely make sense and i remember my mom dragging me to city of angels on mother's day because she wanted to see <laughs> the recent romantic movie with nick cage See, I feel like like City of Angels, City of Angels, Nick Cage is. There was a period of twenty years there where the man didn't age, and call it science, call it magic, call it whatever you want. <laughs> but I don't, I don't necessarily know that that is an attractive human being. Yet, 
you know, he well, even for, as far back as Honeymoon in Vegas, he kind of looks the same. You know, maybe a wrinkle or two more. Mm, less bloaty. Yeah. He's pretty bloaty now. <laughs> and listen, I say that as a body positive person. Yeah. He's got the bloat. Everyone should love their body for what it is, but he's got a little bit of that puffy face. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this kind of derailed into somewhere where I was Sorry. planning. Is Nick Cage beautiful? Mm. You took it there, I think. I think I did, yeah. I said he was sexy, and then you can tell. I, I jumped I jumped on it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, that is interesting, and I'm going to find out more about yeah. that. Anyway, on to the next written question. Yeah. Okay. So, is there such a thing as a Nick Cage movie? Has he become a genre, or do you think he just seeks projects out, and because he's interested, things move, things happen? It's really hard to think about Films like Con Air, films like The Rock, certainly films like Face Off, without thinking that that's a Nick Cage movie. And I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty confident that I could say, oh, this is a Nick Cage movie, and uh, people would, people would agree with that. It's interesting the movies he picked there, though, because those mm -hmm. are three of his '90s Jerry Bruckheimer action. Action, movies. yeah, absolutely. And they're all three very different kind of performances. The Rock is a very Every man kind of performance. He wants to be back in the lab, and they stick him on the rock with Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. And Con Air, he has a southern accent, <laughs> and he's an the ex hair, con. That's, but... Is that where the hair started? Maybe because that hair was that hair though. That was yeah. one of the first remarkable hair performances yeah, from him. I think so. He really went with just the <laughs> standard slick back Nick Cage before then, but he started experimenting, you know, mm -hmm. in hair after that. I think uh, his hair peak for me was probably Next, which is, uh, it's hard to describe even, but if you look mm. up Next, it's got a very particular it's, thing happening It's there. almost like a fin on a shark. Yeah. And then in Bangkok Dangerous, he has like a Snape oh, thing going. Yes. That's if right. If you ever wanted to see him audition for Snape in yeah. visuals only. Which I do. <laughs> that, yeah, that movie is wild. Uh, but then the, the other movie, Face Off, mm -hmm. is a film where he essentially... He plays two roles. Oh yeah, one as a like, as a criminal, and then one as the law official who was body swap or like face swap face swap into the Let's face of that person. Here. And then he also has to play as what if he was this cr uh, this law officer pretending to be the criminal, and mm -hmm. that's a very dynamic and wild and extravagant role. And so all three of those, uh, they feel very Nick Cagey because he embodied them so well, but they're very different and very distinct as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, mentor of the show, Gerald Saul, the, par the person probably responsible for the show, uh, he's texting me about Wild at Heart, another 1990s Nick Cage film, possibly the start of his action, action-ness. Um, I don't rem I've definitely seen it, Laura Dern, yeah, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, but uh, I, I feel like in the 90s, there was this push to have these, call it macho, call it manly, call it whatever, sweaty men running in tank tops toward and away from explosions. I'm thinking Die Hard. I'm thinking, you know, all these, there's probably a 15-year period there where that's what that's what people wanted. And did Nick Cage just hit that and then get these, what are on paper, ridiculous movies off, literally off the air in the case of, off the ground in the case of Conair? Good one, Chair. Thanks. <laughs> well, he slipped into it very easily. Yeah. And it worked so, well for him for a while. He just owns it, doesn't he? Yeah. He, 
I huh. wonder if it's that it lends itself to his to that like larger than life thing you guys were talking about, like that he just can come through so hard in a small moment, mm -hmm. which can contrast really well with. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> that can moment. contrast really well with like a big explosion. Maybe slash like hold up to one. Well, I just I always think of the end of Con Air where the plane has crash landed. And, you know, he's basically, he should be dead. I, he looks kind of like a zombie. Is his shirt still on? I think it is. And he, you know, he picks up the teddy bear to give to his little girl, who he's met for the first time, I think, mm -hmm. out of the gutter. And, like, it's the only thing he's brought from prison. Who, I don't know how you get that in prison. I'm not sure. But, uh... Put it in his butt. Commissary. <laughs> I, I would say commissary. <laughs> yeah, that's Two very different answers answer. to my question. Oh, my God. Um... But, uh, you know, is that super manly to, like, meet your little girl for the first time and give her this, like, kind of crappy teddy bear as you're totally not prepared physically? But you did save the world in a way. Well, and he's also very vulnerable in that moment. Yeah. Because in that moment, there's the f feeling of fear or at least apprehension on his part. He's wondering if his kid is going to actually accept this and see it as a <laughs> gift and find any value in it. And he's putting himself out there. And when it's... Uh, yeah, when it pays off for him, it's it's a lot of catharsis in that moment. Yeah, the bear is actually just the last pit of his his non-prison hardened soul that he's <laughs> trying to get off that plane with John Malkovich. Oh, good. Metaphor. Some incredible action moments in that movie. Oh, just we, we learned about propane and other uh, exciting things. John Malkovich as well, very terrifying. Steve Buscemi. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on in that. Oh, yeah. And John Cusack, Down on the Ground. I oh, think yeah. The He's the man First of, the of three or four movies they do together or something? They've done some more recently I have not watched um, because the covers on Netflix just don't look. 90% of me watching something on Netflix is sold by what that little, I don't know, movie-sized box looks like. If it looks good, I you've sold me. If it doesn't look good, John Cusack talking on a radio in a toque. I'm not watching that. <laughs> well, not right both, now, anyway. They both kind of followed somewhat similar career trajectories in that mm -hmm. they had their heyday in the 90s, and that gave them a lot of creative capital to go out there and make the movies they wanted to make. And now the movies that they have to do to make the movies that they really want to do are just that much worse. <laughs> the movies that they really want to do are that much smaller. I, I am a huge John Cusack fan. John and Joan, by the way. Ditto. Yeah. Uh, gross Point Blank. We could probably do a whole show on that. All we do on the show is talk about ideas for other shows. Yeah, but it's really good because then we don't have to think of ideas <laughs> outside of this room. People are like, man, I cannot wait for this gross, gross point blank show. Yeah, it's going to um, be a sensation. <laughs> all right, back to Sonya. Yeah. Before last week, how many Nick Cage movies do you think you've seen? Well, see, this is the thing. I'm always a very unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think maybe three to five okay not it's, a ton like i've definitely seen moonstruck i'd seen the wicker man mm -hmm. unbeknownst to me i had seen adaptation oh forgot, wow which is Ooh. a fun thing that i do sometimes um i can't think of any more off the top of my head so what did you watch this week what did you think well here's the thing guys i had a really ambitious plan and then i got quite sick starting on sunday and i wasn't the kind of sick where you can like lay around and watch movies mm -hmm. like i kept falling asleep so, I, I I saved some of the big ones for last and then didn't get to them. <laughs> um, so, I watched uh, Raising Arizona, which mm -hmm. I loved, and in fact, didn't realize it was a Coen Brothers movie, and then was like, 
oh, this reminds me of a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then realized why. Um, and then Jim and I <laughs> together watched uh, Mom and Dad, his one of his most recent releases, which is basically a horror thriller where by some unnatural forces, all of the parents in this suburban community start having this murderous rage towards their own children. Like like supernatural? Yeah, things? it's unclear. It's almost a bird's thing, where it's never explained, yeah. oh, and there's no mm-hmm. even suggestion of why it's happening. There's like a couple moments where you're like, okay, it has something to do with the TV, because there's sort of a TV thing that precedes the events, but it doesn't necessarily hold up entirely in terms of that theory. And so that one was like a a good question mark performance from him, like an eff- a very effective performance. Mm-hmm. Like he's such a bad suburban dad in that movie. <laughs> and there's this particular moment that Jim and I rewatched probably three times where he's having this like awful conversation with his son and just imbuing all of this like toxic masculine crap to his son, like just like I used to be young and women in cars. Like, that's all I could hear <laughs> the whole time. And he's drinking, I think it was a Pepsi, if I'm not mistaken. I thought it was a beer. Or was it a beer? Like a label out shot? I can't remember. Yeah. It was it was something in a can. And at one point, inexplicably, inexplicably he just, like, licks the can. But it, he, like, tongue flicks the top of the can mid-sentence. Just go look it up on YouTube because... There's no possible way to explain how ridiculous this Nick Cage moment is, where he's just, like, mid-scene and then just, like, darts his little tongue out and licks this can, and it's the weirdest thing. And he's talking to his son? It's so weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's it's an interesting choice. It's a choice. (laughs) Yeah, Nick Cage is all choices, Was was that Nick Cage or was that in the script? Unclear. Yeah, (laughs) it comes at a point where the movie's kind of reaching a a fever pitch in terms of intensity, so he could have just been... Just choosing to keep it going. <laughs> yeah, it was intense, that's for sure. Just and then finding his character. Yeah. We Mom also watched, is, uh, yeah. Uh, it's like it's one of the directors of the Crank movies. The movies where Jason Statham has to shock his heart oh. every so many minutes to stay alive. Yeah. And he also worked with them on uh, Ghost of uh, or Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, oh. the movie where Ghost Rider pees fire at one point. Yep. So it's it, very much of a piece within, with that whole body. Within the diegesis of the film, that makes sense. It That's does. all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Diegesis. It's another, it's another big word. I liked it. Yeah, no. Also, Sean saw, also used that once, too. Saw Ghost Rider uh, in, when it first came out in mm-hmm. Roblin, Manitoba, at their movie theater. So I have seen that one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also watched on Saturday <laughs> Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, God. <laughs> it was honestly great, and I loved it. And then on Sunday, I watched Left Behind, um, which is a movie about the rapture. Oh, God. (laughs) I think it's a remake. Jim can talk more about that. He knows more about everything. Um, And then I started watching Adaptation and was like, oh, I have. I've seen this. I, I like know exactly what happens and really like this movie. And then I also started trying to watch something else that, oh, National Treasure, and I fell asleep. Oh, really? So that's all I got. That's, that's no no holds barred action packed girl ride. I know, but I was not. I'm I'm not well, Jeremy. So not <laughs> even fair. them that's stealing fair. the constitution. What is it? The, no, the U.S. Constitution. No, it's not the Constitution. It's the Declaration, Declaration of Independence. Independence. They're yeah. stealing the First Amendment. Because literally, <laughs> <laughs> literally, that's like an, an iconic line. It's like I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> and we're like, which document was that? The, Mag- the Magna Carta. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah. Oh no, I'm pretty sure it was the Rosetta Stone. I'm <laughs> certain that that's what they were trying to steal. What my Nick Cage marathon was like an alternative one, I'd say. That's, <laughs> like, that, that's, not... a, that's a big list though. Yeah. You, you spanned his career right there. Sort of, but it's not like it. the highlights that people would expect necessarily. Uh, well, we were debating about what you should or shouldn't yeah. watch, and it was really just about efficiency. I think that's kind of what our discussion was about. But uh, I don't know. I think you. I think you've got a good a good sampler there. It was a wild ride. Will you keep going? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Not with the intensity, but. Yeah, I'll probably forget and then <laughs> come back to it eventually. Uh, James, you've seen a ton of Nick Cage's films. Do you have a favorite? Wild at Heart is probably my favorite. Mm. Which one? Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. Oh. Uh, his, um, 1990 movie with David Lynch. Yeah. It's a Palm Door winner, and if you put any <laughs> stock in Palm Door winners, this is a great one for you. It's based on a novel, and I can't remember the name of the novel, but the novel itself is based on The Wizard of Oz, kind of loosely. Very loosely in that uh, Nick Cage comes out of prison, and Laura Dern and him go on this journey across the United States where they meet, like, a Willem Dafoe with rotting teeth. And Mm -hmm. there's, like, a what's probably, like, a reasonably inappropriate voodoo priest at one point. And it's a a wild, wild movie. (laughs) But Will, uh, Nick Cage is also, he like idolizes Elvis Presley, but he's also like a punk. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of David Lynch's funnest movies. And also um, it's just a very kind of interesting interaction with the time it was in as well. I, I, I certainly remember parts of this movie. I think I remember Laura Dern. That's what I think I remember about this. Who can blame you? Oh, God. You don't get me started on Laura Dern. I've got, I've I'm gonna. A, I've got a thing. We could make that another episode. We've, I think we've all got a thing. <laughs> Is your thing safari shorts? Because because <laughs> that's my thing. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, in Wild at Heart, she's like all nervy energy. Like I don't think she ever stops moving. In yeah, the movie. It's, I definitely remember that. Yeah. I cannot remember Nick Cage in this movie at all. I don't know which why. is unusual. That's a very especially for a Nick Cage movie. Well, yeah, that's, that's the. Yeah. Well, he's you know he's doing a bit of an Elvis impression. He has mm-hmm. the line that he repeats several times. It's and I'm gonna mess it up, but it's something along the lines of "This leather jacket represents my individuality." <laughs> something like that. And that line is, uh, you know, coming out of my mouth. It's very wooden, <laughs> and coming out of the mouth of uh, any other actor, Lynch might ask to spit that out. It might come out. Uh, little hackneyed but coming out of nick cage's mouth it has a lot of humor and it fits right into the character and uh, it works a rousing endorsement wild at mm-hmm. heart go wild for at it. heart everyone should watch it everybody pause the show right now we'll <laughs> wait go listen go go watch wild at heart mm-hmm. listen to the radio watch wild at heart look up that clip from mom and dad <laughs> or nick cage this is your homework awkwardly tongues a can listeners you know what i realized and this is a total sidebar mm. is that we don't have a name for our listeners do like do we call them spoilers like is that is that what we hey spoilers what about spoilies hey spoilies i maybe. think spoilies is cute but i feel like everyone else will hate it maybe at spoiler alert yqr or spi- spoiler alert on facebook let us know what you think let us know maybe we'll post a poll spoilies Honestly, though, I'm scared that we would post a poll and no one would answer. (laughs) And then I would just delete it. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. I think I'm going to go as far to say that my favorite Nick Cage movie is Face Off. Because the other half of that is John Travolta, whom I'm another huge fan of. Interesting. 
I do like I do like the John Travolta. I will say that that's probably another show, but mm-hmm. uh, we can get into that at another point. You sort of alluded to this earlier, James, but the whole swapping and then swapping back again because the whole time. The audience knows what's up. It's very clear. It's all very laid out as to who is who at which point in time. But seeing all these other people try and figure out which one's which is just something that I think because it hit me when I was younger, it just blew me away. I was like, oh, my God, this is a, he's never going to get out of this. This has gone so poorly for this. Is he a detective or a, he, he's it's like a higher government it might be FBI even. It's something, because yeah. Caster Troy, mm-hmm. which is Nicolas Cage's criminal character in that movie, right, is a pretty high grade criminal. Right. From what I remember. Yeah. yeah. And there's like there's bombs involved, and yeah. and there's parts where the villain diffuses his own bomb to become the hero, which is just is great. It is so good. All this back and forth, all of this, you know, will they? Won't they? Take their faces off again? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I just love it. I watched it again. Every every bit as good as I remember. Nicolas Cage is so crazy in that movie in both roles. I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how an actor puts it on and then pretends to put it on, but he pretends so well. Um you have not seen this, Sonia? I've not. It no? was on my list. You didn't make it? Didn't there? quite make it. There. James, what are your face-off thoughts? I love face-off. Uh yeah. I think a lot about the one of the first scenes that you see Castor Troy in, mm-hmm. and that's when he's in the airport, and for some reason there's a choir of nuns there. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, my God. And so this is, weird. So this is Nicolas Cage in villainy mode, oh. and this choir of nuns is singing, and he just walks up behind this nun, grabs her breasts from behind, and starts... <laughs> singing to the heavens <laughs> and at that moment you're like oh maybe this is a bad guy yeah <laughs> and he's so dancey he's very, very so dancey. dancey he's enjoying being a bad guy oh my god he but loves being a bad guy they swap faces mm-hmm. john travolta's character is now actually nicholas cage are you mm-hmm. is this yeah i'm with you're, you you're on board. with me yeah i'm with you i can tell you're locked in this is <laughs> wonderful and you start seeing john travolta's character go through Castor Troy's life mm-hmm. and see, well, he has a kid on the side that he neglects and, mm-hmm. you know, he's just kind of laid waste wherever he's gone. And you can feel him feel empathy for these other people in Castor Troy's life in a way that Castor Troy never would. Right. And it's this very interesting performance from Nicolas Cage to go from, and maybe extremes is easy, mm-hmm. but, uh, are easy, but it's, it's still very interesting for him. The other, the other thing, and I, when I heard you were on board for the show, I desperately wanted to ask you this question. Do you think, in the end, they switch faces back, okay? I'm spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Do you think it would have been a better movie if, throughout everything, they had to live with the consequences and they were both kind of miserable because one had to be the villain and the other had to pretend to be the FBI agent for the rest of their lives? I don't know. It's not a... It's not the operatic John Woo movie, if mm-hmm. you do that, it feels like. It feels well, like you need the catharsis of them having their lives restored Maybe. At the end. I just really, really, really wanted Face Off 2. Real bad. Like, more than you could ever imagine. And I feel like that's the only way it was going to come at me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I would have liked to see much more about, you know what, Netflix, Netflix Canada, you want to remake a movie into a show, you extend Face Off into, a, a, like... A full series 
And I, no, that would never With work. With Cajun Travolta. You'd have to get them back. You'd have to get them back years later and be like, it didn't work. The yeah. only person bloatier than Nicholas. Cage. <laughs> well, yeah. and everyone in their lives, it'd be pretty sad if they got fooled twice by them. <laughs> there it is. Folks, you have been listening to Spoiler Alert, Regina Community Radio, 91.3 FM, CJTR. We got to take a little break, but we'll be right back to talk more Nick Cage after this break. Hey, everybody. We are back from our break. I feel well-rested. James, how are you doing? Uh, I am reinvigorated, (laughs) is what I am. Sonia, how are you? Great. I'm doing great. That's great, because it is time for our game. Yay! We play this every week, James, and for those who've never heard about it before, the game is quite simple. I will give you guys a movie title, and I want you to infer what the the plot could possibly be, and uh, we're going to see what happens. Now... There are two things that are interesting about this week. Number one is that uh, you get a little hint. And the hint is that this film is a Nick Cage film. <laughs> Number two, we got a little technical magic from our other co-host, Sean, who's playing the game. What does Sean have to say? The film is Vampire's Kiss. Okay, here's Sean. Oh, no, that's our theme song. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Some Someone's never done this before. Technical <laughs> issues. We will. Okay. Ooh. We're going to try one more time. This is this is dead air from this Spoiler is, This alert. is dead air. It doesn't want to play Sean's little voice clip. Oh, man. Okay. I think we might have to cut you out, Sean. Seanathan, I'm sorry. Sean, I'm so sorry. It just won't play. James. Your thoughts, what is Vampire's Kiss? So when I think Vampire's Kiss, that sounds like a kind of funny sideways way of saying, sideways way of saying getting bitten on the neck by a vampire. Mm-hmm. But since this is a Nicolas Cage movie, it has to be a bit of a curveball. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just about a vampire who's real good at kissing. Maybe. I think canonically in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe... They uh, they don't got to breathe, these vampires. Yeah. So maybe he doesn't have to come up for air. This is 100% kissing. Nothing else needs to be happening. Just kiss, kiss, kiss. So this is just, he's the vampire in your scenario. And he's very good at kissing. And he just goes from... from... He doesn't need to breathe, he just keeps kissing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something else. Yeah. Sonia? Okay. I am simultaneously going to pull up Sean's voice clip on my phone, which I have here, and I'm going to play it soon. But first, I'm going to guess. Okay. I think it's about um, a poison <gasps> that is being added to drugs in New York uh, called Vampire's Kiss. Oh, whoa. And it makes everybody bleed out of their mouths <laughs> <laughs> when they have it. And it's about one cop, uh, obviously played by Nicolas Cage, obviously on the hunt to find out where these drugs are coming from. Do you need... Sonia, you need to draft a letter to John Carpenter, circa 1975, and get all of these ideas that you have week after week. We'll just give you a bunch of titles. You write them down, and you just send them all back to be made. I think so. Okay. Are we good to go to try uh, Sean's? We're going to try. Okay. I'm not certain that it's going to work, Okay. but I'm going to try it. We're going to give it a go. Here is Sean's guess for Vampire's Kiss, okay. if we can make it work. If we can make it happen. In three, two, one, go. No, I can't do it. Just kidding, I can. <laughs> Hi, y'all. It's Sean. 
I'm so sad to be missing this episode, which I have lovingly nicknamed the cage match. My knowledge of Nick Cage's oeuvre is not far from simply a one-armed Italian man in Moonstruck or a long-haired uh, plane prisoner from Con Air. So James is a necessity to wade into this mess of roles and pull out some gems. Um, as for the game, I have just been given the title of Vampire's Kiss, and I know that this has got to be sort of like a gritty storyline. I know everyone probably has long hair, presumably with a widow's peak. Everyone's wearing raggedy dusters. Every garbage pail's on fire. But at the heart of this film, I think it's a romance. I think it's about a vampire finding the subtle differences between a kiss and a bite. I think it's a metaphor for coming of age and for forming relationships that are built on trust and not lust. And that's up for that. I'll see you all next week. Bye. Okay, my favorite part of that is that Jeremy and Sean could not hear. This is live radio. Everybody. What Sean was saying. What we can. So only you and I know what Sean said. Anyway, he was pretty close. Uh, coming of age, vampires learning the difference between kissing and biting. Okay, fair uh, That's my summary. He misses you. Uh, <laughs> vampires Kiss, a Nick Cage film from 1989, uh, tells the story of Peter Lowell, a driven liter- literary agent and an example of a stereotypical narcissistic and greedy yumpy who is slowly going insane. Now, folks at home may recognize a lot of the scenes from this film because a lot of the crazy Nick Cage that shows up on the internet comes from this film. Oh. Yes. And uh, he meets up with a lady of the night, or a lady at night, rather. I'm not, I can't remember the details 100%. And uh, she may or may not turn out to be a vampire, and he may or may not spend the entire film believing that he's becoming a vampire. The other thing that should be noted about this film is that this is really, from my research, what I could tell to be the first real evidence of Nick Cage just doing his thing. Mm. He is crazy, he is vocal, he is off the walls. It is Nick Cage turned up to a thousand percent. Vampire's Case, if you haven't seen it, please seek it out. But that was in 1980. No, 1989. Sorry. So that, I think, was the first time we all got to see this Nick Cage is at home. Anyway, Sean won the game today because I have no idea what he said. (laughs) It was good. (laughs) That was my favorite was watching your faces while I was just like, it's working. (laughs) Now, just before we go on, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that we should tell the folks at home about an amazing thing going on here at the station right What's now. What's that, Sonia? What's that? Namely, the Look and Listen Lottery. What? Oh, the Look and Listen Lottery is on now, and it's an important station fundraiser where you can buy tickets to win a grand prize trip of your choosing to one of four amazing destinations. Jeremy, do you know what those destinations might be? Uh, I, 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 I think I do, but you have the sheet in front of me. I, in front I of do. You, so I why really don't set you, you up. Why don't you tell them? San Francisco, New York, Quebec City. Charlottetown, PEI. Whoa, those are four incredible destinations. Yeah, and flight accommodations and $500 spending cash are included. The second prize is a $1,000 travel voucher from Carlson Vaughanley Rickert Travel. Whoa. Amazing. And third prize is a Regina Folk Festival 2018 experience packages. 
package, just one package. Just one. But it includes two weekend passes to the Folk Fest in August. Um, tickets are only $20 each, and there are only 1200 available, so you need to get them. Oh, my God. Sonia, James is taking out his wallet right now. He is. He's throwing money. 600 tickets. That means there's only 600 left. He's throwing money at us. Oh, my God. So many tickets he has. You oh can no. buy those tickets, James. I can't sell them to you right this second because no. I don't have a ticket book with me. <laughs> but you can buy them online at cjtr.ca slash donate. Uh, come down to the office or call uh, or go to our website to find out more. Swarm listeners. Swarm. Swarm. I'll go anywhere but Charlottetown PEI because <gasps> they got that awful red dirt. It stains your pants. <laughs> don't wear anything that isn't just pure black. This is, you are not Sean. Is this is terrifying right now. Terrible. I don't know. Teach but their Anne own. Of Green if you want to go eat a lobster where Anne of Green Gables sang her song about ice cream or whatever happens in that movie or book or whatever, there's oh an ice cream. Have, have you seen the musical? Uh, not only have I seen the musical, Sean, I was not Sean. I just called you Sean. That was a weird Freudian slip. I was in it. You sang the ice cream song. Uh, I was a chorus member in the ice cream song, but I played Josie Pye, the villain of oh. Anne of Green Gables who pushes her off her roof. Spoiler alert. That ice cream song is not worth staining your pants for. <laughs> You're going to have to buy a whole new wardrobe once Well, if you go to PEI, buy some flood pants with your spending money before you go. Yeah. Just just saying. Anyway, we've got we got a job to do here. Yeah, folks. sorry. And we're we're low on time now. So, I want to talk more about Nick Cage because uh-huh. I'm a big nerd. Yep. Um I want to talk about new Nick Cage films. We've already alluded to the fact that they are plentiful and of wavering quality. I watched two this week, uh, one called uh, Drive Angry, which James has seen, and I've watched, did you see The Trust? I've seen The Trust a while ago. Okay. It's been a bit. Let's talk about The Trust first. I liked it. Elijah Wood and he play evidence collectors in Las Vegas. This is already zany enough to be in a cage movie. And they're going to try and steal a bunch of money. That's essentially the film. It's super good. And I'm curious to hear because I feel like he plays the dad again. Nick Cage just plays the dad with a little murdery twist in it. Is, is there... Is he watering himself down? Is he becoming kind of one performance are you just getting nick cage when you buy him now it feels like there's a class of nick cage these Mm -hmm. days where he is one nick cage more or less and the trust might be in there maybe i also watched rage recently the 2014 movie and it also features a danny glover performance from 2014 so you know it's pretty desperate and pretty sad (laughs) danny glover is entirely mobile and can't really speak above a whisper these days But there's a. It seems like there's a lot of uh, crime films that, uh, if I had to guess, an intention he has to do these days to kind of get the work done that he wants to get done. Maybe. But then I think about something like Drive Angry. Yeah. And Drive Angry seems like uh, it has stuff that has interested him throughout his career. Like there's a mythology to it. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's a, there's action and not just on his part. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot going on. Yeah. A few other pretty decent actors. Yeah. You know. There's, William Fickner, Amber Heard. Yeah, absolutely. Know, decent people in that movie. Yeah. Um, and it offered him the chance to make some really bold choices. Yeah. You know? Well, oh, God. Bold and I don't know if we can talk indeed. about them on the radio. Not, not, not quite the way that we should. Yeah. But uh, the hair, again, really on the forefront. 
I wonder. I'm gonna look up a picture for Sonya. You're just gonna rate Nick Cage's hair right now. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's pretty flat. He doesn't have a whole lot of body in Drive Angry. Does it compete with his hair? He's been in hell for like. Ten years or something. I don't think they have volumizing anything in hell. No, but it's humid, right? In hell, Would it or be? do you think it's dry? It's probably a it's dry, heat. dry. Here dry we go. Heat. Okay. My hell is, is humid. Here we go. Okay. On a scale of one to ten. Okay. One being the worst. One being the worst, and ten being where you found him attractive. Here we okay, go. Okay, but his hair isn't good in Raising Arizona. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> it's a. Uh, you know, you know what? It's a three. Because of the hell comment, I can see the blonde coming through. Like, yeah. I, I understand why it's there. Because you're right, it probably is hot. You know, the, you're getting sun, literal. well, I don't know about sun, but some sort of light source 24 hours a day, I assume, in hell. Yeah. In the hell they depict, anyway. Yeah. But uh, are these people just buying Nick Cage to get his energy, and now they've got Nick Cage in the cast? Or... Do you think they are trying to craft these things around him? Because in the case of Drive Angry, I think it's built for him. I think, I don't know your thoughts, James. I don't know that you have Drive Angry without Nick Cage. Let's put John Travolta in the driver's seat and see what we feel about it. I don't think you can have Drive Angry with no Nick Cage. It feels so partic- uh, particular to him. And I think he's still looking out, looking out for those kind of roles, or at least interesting roles that would give him the chance to do something new or something different. Mm-hmm. A role like uh, Joe from, I think, 2010, the David Gordon Green movie, where he's very subdued, very naturalistic. Uh, it was something different in his career, or at least different for his recent career. Sure. He's done a couple movies with Paul Schrader, who is this very kind of antagonistic <laughs> and sometimes misogynist director, but he really believes in uh, directors and voices with strong visions. And he's still finding those people. It's just uh, these days it seems to be more and more genre films because that's what he can get made it seems mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. no that's that's fair um we're running out of time so i'm gonna have to cut some stuff out but i cannot let the show go without talking about gone in 60 seconds which is probably my second favorite film even though it's a remake which i'm not a fan of it is essentially sonia for and for those who don't you know know he and angelina jolie run around and steal cars. I'm going to put that in air quotes, steal cars for the entire film. That's all it is. There is a 47% chance that I've seen this. Okay. There's uh, Angelina Jolie and White Girl Dreads. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I can see massive hair. I can see an image in my mind Mm -hmm. that I think is associated with that film. It could not be. Who's to say? I think, uh, I think they made her hair so crazy to deafen his (laughs) just in general. Cause he had a pretty, like that was a practical haircut for his character in that. There was nothing, I don't know, voluminous about it. It's like, it's just short Nick Cage hair from what I can recall. I honestly can't remember his hair. Certainly nothing on, it's got nothing on Next, for sure. Okay, but have you seen, have you seen Sorcerer's Apprentice, Jeremy? No, I've just seen That's easily his best hair work. But that's like, at least it's long hair. Yeah, but it's a hot mess. (laughs) It's almost dreads. It's so like... (laughs) I, like that's obviously not the most important thing about a cage, but he's a, he's done a lot of different hair work. You're right. Oh yeah, yeah. so much. He's probably got a hair guy. Oh, he must. Okay, I'm gonna. Son, you're gonna rate his hair. Go in sixty right. seconds. Hair. Okay. What do you think? Three, two, one, go. Twelve. Twelve. Whoa! <laughs> no hesitation, James. That was a gut reaction. Wow. Jim, what do you what do you think? 
that's you know uh, that's at the upper end of the Nicolas Cage hair spectrum. Yeah, that's sure. pretty. It's got some nice body to it. But he's kind of soft. He's crazy in that movie. He is crazy. They do the weird dance thing where they hype up before they steal cars. It makes zero sense. They're given timelines that in no way or shape or form are doable. But but yeah. they make it work. Do they make it work, James? It's been a while since I've seen Gone in oh. 60 Seconds, i got to admit. But it's interesting because he can make these terrific popular entertainments that hit with big crowds. Like, we watched Mom and Dad, which is a fairly alienating movie. <laughs> in many ways. And then we had uh, some people come into the house, and we had a crowd of people, and uh, I can't even remember how we chose The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Which I is think a very... we just, I needed a break. Yeah. <laughs> And we watched Sorcerer's Apprentice, and everyone was into it. Yeah, it was and a delight. Into Nicolas Cage too. Yeah, he has laugh moments. He yeah. sells magic, and I think that's probably why he did the movie to yeah. get to be the magician. <laughs> Does it come from his cool hands? Yeah. Yes. I feel like he'd be good at. I haven't seen this, but I feel like he'd be good at producing magic from his hands. Mm-hmm. Well, in that movie, they very much. Uh, it's, it starts with a practical effect and that there's, you know, little water splashes. Like when they're producing the magic, you can see kind of mist and mm-hmm. stuff getting moved around. And then they added it in, added in the CGI magic after. So there's a very, like, physical aspect to it. And it feels like he works very well with that. Nice. And I've heard about how he, how uh, his process works and that whenever he has a role, when he has scenes coming up, he thinks about the actions first and then works back to the emotional. Oh, cool. And that kind of informs... A lot of how I see his roles these days. It's a it's a very uh, it's not naturalistic mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of his roles, but it's very particular and it's very specific to him, and it brings something else that you don't see to a whole lot of actors. That that really makes me think of City of Angels as well, where it's he he, he kind of barely moves. They do stand around a lot, and that's sort of the you know statuesque figure that mm-hmm. they give the angels in the movie, of which Nick Cage is. But uh, that makes a lot of sense for a lot of his stuff, you know, where he, it's it's clear that it's sort of a physical attempt, and then maybe he'll, you know, work back through it to figure out what he's trying to do, Yeah, I guess. Well, and it also makes sense in that it's a lot of stuff that comes from him directly. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes things out of the script and he collaborates with directors, but he's always a very kind of vital force to his movies. Mm-hmm. Like one of the one times that you hear him not working out on set with the director was with the Coen brothers because the Coen brothers are they're script guys they yep. do the script and you know you do the performance coming out of that but he wanted to collaborate on set and try to figure out the performance together like that and that didn't quite work for them for what I understand <laughs> well that's interesting um, moving on Sonia feel free to chime chime back in okay. uh, when we talk about stuff that you've seen but um, has the internet changed what nick cage is because i can i can think of 10 memes that are nick cage memes i was gonna say we're talking about the memification yes you know has this chuck norris tim into a film career out of a film career what what has this done to the man has this created that genre that i kind of mentioned before possibly started with the wicker man and the bees the bees. bees. The bees and walking into the tavern and just punching a woman. With no <laughs> Reckless abandon. She was asking for it. She was. Just kidding. <laughs> that's never okay. Punching somebody else is probably not okay. That's a good question, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I know the answer. Because I wonder if it's one of those things where it makes us feel like we know him better, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily translate to actually interacting with his work at all. Well, let me ask you this. 
is your primary mode of contact with this individual these memes? Yeah, I would have said yeah for me. But what do I know? I just host a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> James, what do you think? It's interesting because I think uh, I've had an evolving relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And I think oh. you're probably, your relationship with him is evolving right now too. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had, uh, you probably saw memes from the wicker man before you ever saw the wicker man mm -hmm. yeah and i imagine your impression kind of changed after you actually saw them well, i don't know if that's a good example <laughs> <laughs> something changing my but uh you guys have all seen but the image right. of him i'm going to try and recreate it on the radio where he's like looking down um that's yeah. from vampire's kiss i was and gonna ask it's in the trailer of it and he's like yelling at his secretary who i believe he's sleeping with as well Classic. but um no one I don't know. Viewers, have you seen? Listeners, have you seen Vampire's Kiss? Who's seen the meme? Because I bet you tons of people have. And no one has seen this film. I used it in our Facebook post last week. Oh, see? There you go. I used the image. Right. I didn't the, even know what it was. Part of the situation. Yeah. I'm not going to I can use big words, too, you guys. <laughs> use I them might, well. I might have seen him as a meme at one point. Or at least seen him as uh, a kind of outrageous actor. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to see Bad Lieutenant, which I understood was a Werner Herzog movie. who mm -hmm. was a very extreme director. And Nicolas Cage giving what then was like a very meme-worthy Nicolas Cage performance. And that movie and the control and uh, how aware he is of each of the point of each scene and, uh, and the arc of his character, that really changed my impression of him as mm -hmm. an actor. And it made everything that came before and after feel a lot more purposeful mm -hmm. uh, in a film-by-film -film basis. I, I kind of had a similar situation with Wind Talkers when I saw that because Nick Cage fell away from that for me. He was the character. It wasn't, you know, as... I don't know if wacky's the word, but it's the word I'm going to use. But uh, he really played this character, and it worked. You know, he disappeared. Whereas I feel in a lot of... Even in Face Off... He's Nick Cage, but that works for me. Yeah. Well, and he's uh, an actor who can play into his most public strengths, but he has some range, and he can do other things, too. Fun fact here, uh, mentor of the show, Gerald Saul, I've seen Vampire's Kiss. He eats a live beetle. So that's... Oh, uh, I didn't know that was something vampires yeah. did. Yeah, well, that's... Well, maybe when you think you're becoming a vampire, that's what you do. But you're, like, working your way up to thing, it. Isn't it? <laughs> what did you say, Jimmy? It's more of a Renfeld thing, isn't it? What's a Renfeld? Isn't that that guy from Dracula? Yeah, that's yeah. He's real into Dracula. I totally got that joke. I have an He's English degree. Yeah, I'm sorry. He eats, he eats bugs. I don't really. You ever read Dracula? No, I've read it. I just don't remember. <laughs> this is a real problem. Should we do a little bout of what you're watching, or that's do you have what, more? That's what. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna jump into that. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. So aside from. All the Nick Cage. What are you watching? What you watch? Well, um, there is a new show on Netflix. <laughs> she said every week. Okay, <laughs> I did watch a lot of movies though this week. Okay, I like that's I fair. Credit. We'll give her a break this time. It is a baking show, which is not what I would have guessed <laughs> that I'd be into. Well, I mean, maybe called Nailed It, hosted by amazing comedian Nicole Byer, who I am obsessed with. And it's basically a show where they get people who are, like, okay at baking to come on and try and recreate these amazing things. And it's so 
warm and delightful because you're laughing at them you're laughing with them they never do a great job but when they do an okay job you feel so proud of them and happy for them and it's just and it's really fun and nicole byer is great i'm laughing because i think i watched it for five minutes and then i had to stop yeah that's (laughs) that's fine jer it's not for everyone but it is basically created for me And it makes me really happy, and I like to imagine what I what I would do and how well I would do if I go on the show. Oh, slash, I wish I hosted it because I think I'd be really good at it. That's what I'm watching. <laughs> okay. The cold meds are really starting to <laughs> get in the brain. James, what about you? Preferably films, but I'm not gonna. I saw my favorite movie of 2018 so far at okay. the Rainbow Cinemas. Stars a charming little gentleman from darkest Peru named Paddington. The movie is Paddington 2. Yes. <laughs> Let me just describe a quick scene from Paddington 2 for the both of you. Hit There's me. this man. He's in his dark living room, and he's closed off from the neighborhood around him. The neighborhood is very chatty. Everyone chats with each other. And then suddenly Paddington is cleaning his window and literally bringing light to his life. Is this the bear? <gasps> this is the bear. Okay. What I wasn't is? sure. I'm sorry. What? I, d- I wanted to clarify. <laughs> but uh, Paddington 2, it is a phenomenal movie, and it is hilarious. And if you're familiar with The Mighty Boosh, which is a cult, uh, I think, ITV uh, TV think show so. from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's directed by Stuart King, who's uh, chiefly involved with that series. So it's it's very funny. It's uh, very on point and heartwarming. And, uh, yeah, it's wonderful, Paddington 2. Aww. Yeah. Favorite, I love Paddington. Favorite of 2018 so far. So far. God, we'll see if it holds up. You, you know, it's uh, it's in the top spot for right now. Uh, Mom and Dad is at number five, but I've only seen <laughs> about 20 2018 movies so far. So That is... That's yeah. not bad, though. No, that's, 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 a, bad. that's a good roster. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, I what needed, you watch? I needed a palate cleanser from my Nick Cage films. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on a whim, based on the screenshot thing on Netflix alone... Shot collar. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I am the parent of a child who is quite young, and I'm not actually able to watch a lot of movies in one go, so I have not yet finished it. But holy cow, it is fantastic. It's not what I thought it was, but it is what I thought it was. Jamie Lannister goes to prison. I don't know his real name, but he's Jamie Lannister to me. Nikolai Waldo or something like that. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, goes to prison and it describes what happens when he goes in, but after also what happens when he comes out and he's got quite a high rank in a, a not so happy white gang. Let's oh, just leave it okay. at that. Uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, everybody's acting is spot on. Uh, the one dude from The Walking Dead, whose name I can't remember, also plays the Punisher on uh, John Barenthal, is in it as well. Also fantastic. Uh, I look forward to continue to watch it, and I encourage everybody else to watch it. Uh, probably not something to watch uh, with your, you know, your mom or or your, or your baby or your baby, maybe. Yeah. Just to be clear, mm-hmm. is it about a white supremacist gang? Uh, it's there's certainly parts of it, but I don't know that that's what it's about. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know what his motivations are. He certainly Jamie Lannister certainly seems very serious right now, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe. Uh, maybe in the twist. next what you're watching, I'll be able to to cap it yeah. and uh, <laughs> Will you please? let everybody know what went down. But, yeah, let uh, us know. 
this isn't in the this isn't the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. But Paddington also goes to prison. <laughs> he gets in with some rough crowd, but it's a very diverse rough crowd. Oh, and then he wins them all over because yeah. it's Paddington. Paddington has a really great talent of bringing folks together. I've I've never I have not seen either of these. Okay, films. first of all, you need to get the books. You got to get the books. You got to read them to Rory. Okay, am I allowed see. to say your child's name on the? I, I try to avoid it, but it's fine. So sorry, <laughs> Amber. Can you edit that out? Um, you, no one heard that. Uh, and then you need to watch the movies, and then we'll talk. Okay, it's amazing. Amazing. Who voices Paddington? Ben Wishaw. Okay, as long as it's not James Corden, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> no. We've talked about that. Yeah, no, I've got problems. Peter Rabbit did is still doing phenomenally well in uh, in England. Like, it did far better than Pacific Rim Uprising somehow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Pacific Rim Uprising, number one across the world, but in England, it did, like, a quarter of what Peter Rabbit did in its, like, third or fourth world. Huh. That's kind of mind-blowing. God. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, you have been listening to Spoiler Alert on Regina Community Radio, 91.3 FM CJTR. We were joined today by the bearded and capped James, who never said his last name, so I don't really know what it is. James Brotheridge, go Regina Red Sox. Thanks for coming on, James. Thank Uh, you, Jimmy. As always, Sonia, the lady host, and uh, I'm Jeremy Legui. Uh, And remember, if you aren't watching movies back-to-back through the night, you aren't binging correctly. Talk to you next week. Goodbye.